Welcome to Build an Iconic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Whitehead, and this podcast is dedicated to help you build a life with zero regrets by focusing on how you have everything you need to stand up, stand out, and live life on your terms. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Build an Iconic Life. I'm here with Brianna Adams. She likes to be called Bree. And uh, we've been having a little bit of a conversation. Uh, literally, I only let it go for about a minute because she started spitting fire immediately. <laughs> Brie, I want to welcome you to the show. Um, more importantly, you're becoming a good friend. And I get to see you every couple months. Yeah. And I'm seeing you make some uh, pretty large moves in your life right now. Uh, you care to share with anybody like what you do for a living or maybe where you came from? Because you have a pretty extensive history. I really do. A lot of experiences that's led you to where you are right now. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah. You are one of my favorite people on the planet. So <laughs> to have this conversation with you is a big deal to me. Um, so I like to joke around and tell people I do shit that nobody else wants to do. Like when somebody's like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like the shit you don't want to do. Like, and, <laughs> and it, it is kind of true. And it's also kind of not true. Um, because it's not, that makes it sound like I'm picking up scraps, but I am very, very intentional and really choosy about the work that I do now. And it's because I've got so much experience in so many different industries. Like I didn't even know that this was my thing that admin and operations and, and, um, like digital media. I didn't even know that, that was my thing until I took a $16 an hour receptionist job. Like, you know, I had this, my, my entire adult career, I left home. Oh, well, I dropped out of college because I got kicked out of college and joined the Marine Corps. Um, mm -hmm. And at, at 18 and had like this ready-made career and 10 years in, it got to this point where my husband and I were both deploying a lot at the same time. And it came down to our daughter was getting ready to start kindergarten. We've got a four-year-old right behind her. Some, something had to give. Um, and I stayed home with my kids and I knew immediately that I was not supposed to be a stay-at-home mom because more power to those fucking women. Yeah. Because that shit is hard. Yeah. I didn't have the patience. I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything that was not supposed to be my thing. So I went to nursing school, got a nursing degree, and I didn't like that. We moved across country. I got a psychology degree. I'm like, I don't really want to do this either. Like, this is me, like, completely busting through all of my military college benefits, trying to figure out what I wanted to fucking be when I grew up. Um, and I got introduced to a company called Prana when we lived in Southern California. They're a, they're a high-end apparel company. They're much more than that now. They're a complete and total lifestyle brand. Um, but they needed a receptionist and I needed a job. So I took it and I held that job for about six weeks till I got promoted. <laughs> Instantly became the, the um, personal and executive assistant to the CEO. And about eight, eight weeks after that, I took over all the, the entire executive team. So obviously I really excelled at that and um, figured out that that's the shit that I'm good at. I'm good at the organization. I'm good at many menial tasks. Like at the time I thought they were menial tasks, but this is the shit inside your business that if it doesn't, doesn't get done, it'll break you. Right. And someone has to do it. 
So with all my promotions came pay raises, came more responsibility. And even when I wasn't getting paid more, I was still constantly looking for more to do. So I started supporting the wholesale team. I started jumping in on, on uh, retail store buildouts until I took over as the retail and wholesale consultant for the entire company. I would travel to stores. I would work with, I mean, it just really bloomed into, I found my fucking place. Uh, am I allowed to cuss here? So I just need to make sure I can say fuck. You can say it. You can say it. You and Tom Keenan now are the two people that I've had on this podcast that have already gone past 10 on the meter with the fuck word. <laughs> so but I don't you know. It is what it is. Yeah. I don't know if you read my bio, but food is my second favorite F word. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So how old were you when you were going through this rise? Um, so I got out of the Marine Corps in 2017, which means I was, it was just, it was, I was 29. So I didn't even really figure out that path until like 25. And then so many things happened once I got out, right? Because that's when I actually, like you would think, okay, she's got this thing and she's found this place and nope. Cause that's when I started to fucking go downhill. I, I moved home with my parents cause Dan was deploying, which just led to a lot. That's really when my drinking started getting super, super bad. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a recovered alcoholic and I say recovered because mm -hmm. I've been through the 12 steps. Um, I've been sober just a little over two years. Um, and not because it was something that I wanted to do at the time, but you know, I was, I was pretty young when all this stuff was happening. I turned 30 in Vegas. It's the only time I'd been to Vegas before, um, I think 2019 and I don't remember any of it. So I really actually always say that Vegas in 2019 was my first time. Um, so I was, I was really young, but also for an adult, like at the time, like in our generation, I was really too old to not have a fucking career. Right. Yeah. Like that was the thing with my dad was like, when are you going to settle down and figure out what you want to do? And I'm like, whenever I never felt like I had a timeline that I had to work on. That's good. You didn't feel the pressure. So you just kept exploring. Yeah. So so you stayed with this company for a while. And I did. the very thing that you didn't want to do, which was be a stay at home mom. Yeah you found a purpose behind it because someone else was suffering. Yes. And wow, I got goosebumps. You did something pretty damn selfless, huh? So it's really crazy. Um, my dad was a super, my dad died uh, before years ago in May and my dad was a super, super private man. And one of the only times that he spoke pub publicly at his church, that was one of the things he talked about because I'm an adopted kid. Oh. I always thought that I wanted to adopt a kid, but it just never, it never worked out. And it wasn't until Bryson that I knew why it didn't work out. Why? I knew because he was supposed to be my third kid. Uh... I think that was always the plan. I mean, Dan and I, we lived in a bar beach. So he, Dan retired from the Marine Corps. So we still traveled even after I got out. We were still back and forth all the time. Um, one of three places you can be stationed as a, as the job that he did were, Camp Pendleton, Camp Lejeune, and uh, Corey Station, Florida. So we were actually in Navarre Beach, and um, I. it was 2009 when we moved there. We got pregnant. We were like, well, are we going to have another kid? What are we going to do? I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage at 19 weeks, and it completely devastated me. And four weeks later, found out I had um, stage three fully invasive cervical cancer. So at 34 years old, my entire, well, it was actually like right before I turned 33, I had my, my hysterectomy when I turned 34. So at 33, 
everything that I knew about my life, like completely ended my entire identity. Cause at that time I was at home with my kids and my home and my husband. And then now I can't have kids. So I ended up having a hysterectomy, um, December of the following year. And what I didn't know until much later, actually in the last three years is losing that child actually saved my life because had that not happened, I never would have gone back to the doctor to find out what was going on. I never would have known. And because it was already fully invasive, it would have killed me in like three months. Holy moly. Crazy. So, <clears throat> so this is part of the story I did not know. Yeah. I um, actually, only outside of my family, I've, I've told a handful of people. So you go through these experiences and you see God bless you with, you know, another child. And by the way, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, I think. And um, what my experience has been is that sometimes you go slow to go fast. Yeah. And what's supposed to happen is going to happen as long as you don't quit. Yeah. But I it's hard for me because of what you went through physically and losing a child is really devastating for sure. But then you see this little boy show up in your life and you find purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. And we're talking that's nine years ago now. Right. Um, at some point here, you decided to get back into the ring of business and was that when you were on an upswing or was that when you were still just like, what the hell is going on in my life? And then what did you do and where did it go? Honestly, it was, it was when I was on a swing. So, and they happen pretty often. So I don't know how many like military wives or military families that you've talked to, but I'm sure that you've shared experiences with enough of them to know that when it's good, it's fucking awesome. And when it's not good, it's mm. not good, but there's never the option to just like stay in bed. It doesn't fucking work like that. I mean, it is, we call it in, in, the, in our community, we call it the Murphy's law of deployment. Like your husband goes on deployment and your entire plumbing system goes out two days later. It's just how it fucking goes. So the real like winning is I didn't burn the house down. All the kids are <laughs> and no one's dead. We made it through another thing. Um, and it was in one of those downswings, like, Dan has had, he's had a pretty successful, prolific career. I'm sitting in his office because it's the only quiet place in my house. So you can see all of these things on the walls. These are mm -hmm. all his. I mean, he had an incredible career that he never talks about. But for him to be able to do that, he was gone, you know, six to eight, sometimes 10 months out of every single year. I mean, the man has 13 combat deployments under his belt. And for him to be able to go do those things meant that we also had all of that time under our belt where it was just us. And I was in one of those super, I have given up everything in my life for these kids. I've given up everything to be with this man. I've given up everything. I have a, this killer education. And what am I doing with my life? And it actually was like one of those low points where I was like, well, fuck it. I got, I got nothing to lose and everything to prove. So what can I do? Um, so I started selling insurance. Okay. Which is crazy. How long did that last? Um, so that was something that I did for a little over a year. I actually did it until my dad got sick. Okay. And when my dad got sick, I um, 
So my dad got diagnosed with cancer. I told you I'm an adopted kid. And it was my dad adopting me and my sisters, raising us like as his own. So even when my mom deuce is losered, he still stuck with us. Right. So um, he got diagnosed with cancer on February 1st of 2019. And he died 116 days later. And it was so crazy the way that that happened because I had just gotten my insurance business to a place that I felt like it was sustainable. And I, I mean, I worked less than I didn't work or I, or I didn't work. How do I say it? I worked. Yeah. I worked less than I didn't work. There wasn't a whole lot that I had to do because I built these awesome relationships. It was, it was life and health insurance. It was Medicare. It was um, mortgage protection. So they were all like really good things in the area that I lived in was amazing. Um, and because when my dad got sick, I had all this tremendous guilt from leaving when I turned 18 and rarely ever going home mm. that I, I just left, I left my kids. Um, I left my home and I went to Indiana and I stayed with my dad until, you know, a few days after his funeral. And then what did you end up doing when you came home? <sighs> that starts this place about this book that I'm writing. Oh. Um, I came home and I think I felt the most broken that I've ever felt. Um, I, I know now that I wasn't ever actually broken, right? Like all these things are supposed to happen for me to be sitting in this chair, having this conversation with you. I wouldn't be here if one of those things had gone differently. So I'm really grateful for that. But um, when I got home, I got home on my daughter's 18th birthday. So June 4th and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I think that was probably, I know that now saying it, the reaction that I'm having, that is, that is, that was my rock bottom. Like that was the place that even though I had all of these things going on good around me, I had these amazing children that I've raised. I've got this killer relationship with Bri. Um, my marriage was shit. It was actually like over. And, um, I had a great house. I had a great car. I had a great life. I didn't have a business and not, I could have had everything in the world, but the fact that I didn't have my dad, I let it completely take me out. Completely gutted me. So I started doing so freelance admin work. Freelance. Admin app. Admin. Admin. Okay. Um, only for people that I knew. I mean, and it was just little stuff. I was, you know, I was basically like a VA for hire. So way under what um, my qualifications were, but it was the only thing that I could, that I could actually like reach out and touch that would bring me joy was doing those repetitive menial like tasks and then finding places that I could improve stuff. Um, and that the lady that I was working for, she actually owned a fitness and nutrition company and she was based out of Boca and she introduced me to this, this program. She took me to an event because she knew I couldn't afford the ticket. I told her, I was like, I'm not paying like whatever that costs. I'm not paying it because I literally just kicked this dude out of my house with 16 bucks in my fucking bank account. Like who does that? It me. Just cause I was in pain. Right. Yeah. Um, so she and she was awesome. I loved doing the work with her. It was it was a way for me to help people without actually thinking that I was helping people because I didn't have to talk to anybody. Right. Um, but she took me to this event in Vegas in November of 2019. And, um, and this is me still at my absolute lowest. And I just got sucked in to. Do I say it? Do I say the name? Can I say the name? I'm not afraid say, to say. It. Say whatever you want. All right. Um, I got 
I got introduced to this women's movement called Awaken Athena. And the first day I'm like, this is total bullshit. I don't want to fucking be here. I want to go home. And by the end of the third day, I was like, sucked the fuck in. Right. Because I mean, you know, there are, um, this is where I realized that the only people that don't like me are narcissists. Um, <laughs> because this is where I met my first one. Um, it's a women's movement, but it was led by a man surrounded by women, but led by a man. Um, I spent like the next 90 days as a participant inside of this program, really digging into places and talking about things I didn't want to fucking talk about. And at every turn I would go into it, my gut telling me, dude, this doesn't feel right. And coming out of it going, but they said it's great. So it's fine. Um, I will say that some of the best friends that I have to this day are women that I met inside of that program. And coincidentally, none of us belong to that program anymore. So um, that led to how I started on the path to where I am now, because, you know, January, I was talking to Kevin about becoming a coach. And I'm sorry, I was talking to Kevin about um, asking when we go to our graduation, can I have some more of these score tracker books that we used to track our daily habits in? We did 10 things every day and, you know, we would track them and write them in this book and they only give you a book for 90 days. So I wanted more books. And he goes like, how about a coach's shirt? And I was like, oh my God, this is great. Um, which turned into a job offer that I accepted verbally. Hence why I don't ever fucking do shit without a contract anymore. Zero out of 10 recommends. Um, I accepted a job offer that was supposed to be part-time, 20 hours a week, $30 an hour, initially to pay off my program and then, you know, to, to make money and move up. Then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. and I wasn't working 20 hours a week. I was working sometimes freaking 24 hours a day, three days in a row, because we wanted to build these online programs and we wanted to do all these things. So I learned click funnels. I learned coaching. I learned every freaking platform that we used. And I learned how to keep a men's group and a women's group and all of these things on track behind the scenes. So I'm not sleeping. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not doing anything. And I'm also not fucking getting paid because the first time I asked for money, it was a, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I got to talk to somebody else about that. No red flags, no red flags. Really? So desperate. There was such like women's program run by a man. I was so desperate for like my dad energy. And mm. that's what I got from the leader of that movement. That That's what he gave me was total freaking dad energy. And because it was still really, really new, it it felt really good. Like you will never hear me talk about this thing like I'm a victim because Every day that I was there, I chose to be there. And I did that every day until I chose to not fucking be there anymore. And that day, I never fucking looked back. But it's no one's fault that I went through any of that. Those are all things that I, I don't even look like they happened to me. It's super cliche, but those all, things all happened for me because that's how I got to where I am. Yep. I met my very first full-on um visionary that I was an integrator for who runs a super successful transportation company out of Chicago. I met him through, through that person. And that was when I knew that this was the work that I wanted to do. And there was a platform for it and it didn't have to be tied to anybody else. And I could do all of these other things, but working with them was, it was why I'm sitting where I am right now. So what is it that you do right now? So currently, um, 
I, I have a couple different gigs going on, but they all stem, stem back to the same thing. Um, so I started a company called Chaos Maestro Media. Um, I, it's really just geared towards digital media. And by digital media, I mean, you will not see my face on Facebook. I struggle with my own social media. I don't build people's content, but I will build your backend and your automations and run your CRM and build you a capture campaign and set up a nurture campaign and just really get into the nitty gritty of how, how you stay in contact with your people. Um, and I also knew that I wanted to do fractional CO stuff and wasn't really sure I was ever going to get that opportunity until I got that opportunity. <laughs> Are you enjoying it? I fucking love it. Yeah. And I have to tell you that having the big dream, like I was talking to Adam Smith, um, back in October and I was like, well, you know, I just quit my, I quit my fucking salary job. I am scared shitless because I had a nice salary. It wasn't, I, I wasn't getting paid what I, what I was earning, like what I just, what I was working to deserve, but I was getting paid well. So I can't even, I'll never even complain about that. But I just, I knew like it started to feel wrong in August and September, I saw the flag and in October I gave notice and I was gone. So that's why I say it went from 18 months to three months. Yeah. My like, that was my learn time. So I knew that it was successful, but I was talking to Adam in October and I was like, yeah, this, I need some help to really vision what this looks like because this is what I want to do. And he was like, dude, you ever heard of Thomas Keenan? I was like, yeah, I've been following him. He goes, he's doing exactly what you want to be doing. And two days later, Jen and I had tickets to the event. That's how it works. It was fucking nuts. And the best part is, is I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can do this. I don't like people, but I can do this. Like, <laughs> I say I don't like people, but I people really well. I I love people. Well, um, you like you like them in doses. Yes. You're an integrator. You, yeah. You 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 the the energy that's required to keep those plates spinning is in direct opposition to let me go back here and look at all these plates and put them all in order so I only have to talk to three of you instead of three hundred of you. Okay. <laughs> My You're an efficient person. Yeah. My favorite thing about the way I love is I will give love to anyone and I can count the people that I will let love me on like one hand. Like, let me just love on you and let me tell you that your hair looks great and say hi, but please don't talk back to me. That's going to change. It already has. Think about this. If you hadn't gone to that event, if you hadn't stayed and gotten sucked in, if you hadn't normalized just, okay, let me go check this out. You wouldn't be talking to me right now. Absolutely not. And the testimony behind that is sometimes you got to kiss some frogs, man. They're not all going to turn out right. And it doesn't mean that the, the effort that you made was wrong. It might just mean that the people there are not right for you. A hundred percent. And like, you have to kiss those frogs because you're a shitty kisser when you first start kissing, right? Like you're just not good at it. You might be a little selfish. You might be a little sloppy. So you kiss and you kiss and you kiss the wrong frog. And do you kiss the right frog? And it's fucking magic. Yep. Because everything fits because all of those things have to happen for you to be able to get to where you're going. Do you have a, do you have a simple formula that you use now to know whether somebody is a good fit for you or not? Yes, I what actually is? really do. Um, 
So I always pause when I meet somebody, I don't immediately like jump in and say hi. I pause and really give like my gut and God a chance to, to give me a sign because I've really learned how to trust my gut now. When something feels wrong, I don't, my ego is not so big that I'm like, oh, it feels off. Maybe I can make it right because that's where I used to be. No, it's feel right, but I can fucking fix it. Right. Me. And that's all ego. So I learned to put like my ego down and just pause. So if you ever watch me meet someone, there's a five second delay that I don't say a word because I just wait to hear. And then I give them a chance. I don't take my trauma into any new relationship that I have. I can't or else I would never fucking meet people like like I've met. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I would never have met Thomas. I wouldn't have the relationship with Catherine that I have. I wouldn't have met all the people that were were um, attendees at the event with me that I still have relationships with because I would have just gone into it with his armor up. And I just don't do that anymore. And what's happening is you, you not only came to an event to learn from someone that is a like he's he's a world class COO mm -hmm. like he just is we talked extensively about core about core values we talked extensively about the difference between visionary and integrator and what the roles are and how you produce it to six months later you're literally working with the man behind the scenes that you went to the program to learn with and that's been my experience too um and you are actually going to get paid by this man because he is a man of integrity Yep. And you're not only going to further your career, but what you're also going to do is be positioned around high caliber human beings. Right. Um, my one of the sticks inside of iconic is alignment is greater than assignment. And and, you know, I'm the core value. Like I just every time you ever see me speak, it's all I talk yeah. about. Right. My favorite fucking thing about you. Well, the reason why is because I was in the dark. Like, look, I've been a business owner for 25 years. I We can call me a veteran at this by this point. Absolutely. I've had hundreds of employees. And in the process, I started realizing, and this was a while ago, but I was hiring people based upon a skill set. I wasn't hiring people based upon whether or not they're a good culture fit. Mm. And... I would invest all of this effort and time putting a team together. And then I would invite the one superstar bad apple in and I would watch my other great apples walk right out the cart. And I can't even fathom how many millions of dollars I've spent putting teams together to watch them fall apart. But finally I pulled my head out of my butt and I was like, wait, I don't even like this person. And when I started putting people around me of similar core values, mm -hmm. what I found was, is everybody, you're going to find out if you work long enough, are you more in the visionary side of things? Or are you more in the integrator side of things? I don't need as many visionaries. I'm a pretty strong visionary, yep. but I do need some integrators. And when I started finding people that are correct core value fit with a skill set that we could develop, Bree, every single time. It's a win every single time. And with everyone else, it, it would always be the dog ate the homework or it'd always be some strange thing that I couldn't have fathomed that stops cash flow that I could blah, 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 all down the line. You know why and that happens, why, right? Why is that? 
it ha- you those people come in when you believe what people say instead of what they do. Correct. And when I started practicing the pause, like you talk about, when I started being very sure about what my core values were, um, the reason I speak about it from stage, the reason I speak about it on social media, the reason I speak about it on this podcast, the reason I speak about it everywhere I go, that's the only conversation I'm interested in having until I have an issue or you have an issue, and then we can talk about the issue. But otherwise, I'm putting signals out all of the time. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. Make a decision because I will not veer off of this track. And what I've noticed is it attracts people just like you of similar core values. And guess what? We've all been screwed. We've all put ourselves in that position. But together, we just choose to remain in integrity of one another. Look, you showed up for this podcast on time. So did I. I didn't reach out to you. I didn't reach in the DMs. I didn't send you an email. I didn't text you a message. I knew you were going to be here. And you knew I was going to be here. That's the kind of people that I run with. Yeah. And guess what? You get one good chance to make a mistake. Give me whatever reason there is. You won't get a second chance. That's all. Because I'm a professional at what I do. Right. And you're a professional at what you do. And what I've noticed happening is that you are no longer, because I've seen you now over six months make some changes. Yeah. You're no longer willing to tolerate. You're no longer willing to tolerate what does not serve you and what keeps you from serving people at the highest level. And I don't accept anything below what I give now. Like, you know, my first core value, which I love that we're talking about core values because I thought I knew at that event, I really dug into, and I thought that I knew what my core values were and I knew what my core values were as a duo. Right. So when Jen and I started um, our business together, I knew what they were with the two of us because it was a blend of like her favorite three and my favorite three, but inside of like my core values, I was missing some, right. And I'm not saying that hers were wrong. They just didn't all fit. So I, I remember reaching out to you going, the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. And we had the most killer conversation. And two days later, I knew what my core values were and they haven't changed since then. But my first core value is excellence. Like fuck mediocrity. If you are going to give me mediocrity, you don't even get a second chance to give me something better. Like, because I believe what people do now, I don't believe what they say, which is why there are so few people in my circle and why there are so many rad fucking people in my circle. God, when Robin and I, this was years ago. Oh my God, I love her. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, But I would put these videos out about integrity or I would do this and I would do that. And she and I would end up getting into a fight usually because I'd done something that I shouldn't. And she would put the videos back in my face. And she would say the same thing to me that you just said, which is, I don't listen to what people say, Chris. Mm -hmm. I watch what they do. Brie, I make my money. I live my life off of my mouth. So it was like a slap in the face when she would say that. And then she would send me my own video on integrity that I was driving down the road talking about. And it made, it got me hot, really hot. What I'm yeah. grateful for now is that she didn't give up. Right. Because look at probably where overall your life was then and the drastic change that it is when it to when you do it. Ooh. And in in the conversation, in the conversations after now, when we sit in the hot tub or we're hanging out and she tell this morning, she, um, right before I came up here, I'm, I'm working at the home office and she goes, I love you so much. And I said, I thought you wanted a best friend. And she goes, didn't you see the post I just made? You are my best friend. But, um, 
it did not require physically for me to do more than about a one or two degree shift from what I was already doing. Right. And I think that's the mistake a lot of high performers make. It's like, dude, I look at everyone around me. I am kicking everyone's ass at taking care of my family and taking care of myself and da, da, da. No, no. She now will say, and this is what she would say to me, Chris, I knew that you could do better. And that's why it would make me so angry. It wasn't compared to anybody else. It was that you were settling on you. And it's just not like that didn't inspire me. Mm. And now I get exceptionally inspired to go. I wonder if I just do this one little extra thing. If And whether she notices or not, or whether you notice, or whether Tom notices, or whether Catherine notices, or whether Adam notices, or whether all the people, Dustin, all the people that I have in my life. Yeah. I just do the one extra thing now because what I know comes from planting those kinds of seeds over time are the kind of trees that I want to grow. And the right people appreciate it. And the wrong people, they were going to get mad anyway. It would not have mattered, but I'm not going to let that change how I go out. Right. Because I don't know when that time's coming, but I know that I've committed. Best fucking part about that entire thing that you just said is one, it is God's honest, absolute fucking truth. And two, it's when you shift and do that one thing for you, not for someone else, because it's important to who you are as a man. It's important to who you are as a leader. It's important to who you are as a husband. You're not doing it for show. You're not doing it so somebody gives you a high five and says, good job. It's just because it's so important to you to be who you say that you are. I already got my gift. I lay my head down on the pillow at night and and I hear God say, well done. Yes. Well done, son. And when I don't hear that, when it's true, and by the way, Brie, it doesn't happen very often where I lay my head down anymore and I'm like, I'm scared, Mm -hmm. but I will tell you this, I'm 49 talking to you right now. When I was 44, I was still going to bed scared like a little boy. Yeah. Because I knew that I knew that I had made a promise to a client. I doubted all the different things, wife, kids, whatever. Now. Uh uh-uh. uh, that checklist gets checked off every single day, and and I don't lay my head on that pillow at night until I make it right. No matter so what, I get my gift doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from uh, people telling me how awesome I am or the book that they. And I don't care. I'm not doing any of this mm-hmm. because of you. You can benefit from it. I'm doing it for you. Right. But ultimately, I want to know what it's like to live in integrity. Yes. That's it. I want to know what it's like to live clean. And here's what's fucking crazy. The cleaner I live, and I'm not talking, yeah, I drink every once in a while. I think we went out and had dinner and I had a few glasses of wine. But the more clean I live, the freer I am to be freaky, to be me, to be whatever that looks like. And the people that are around me do not judge me. They love me for that. Because if you, and this goes, it's a lot for what you say, but it's also for what you do. If you tell the truth, you don't ever have to fucking remember what you say. Right. If you are who you are, you don't ever have to remember to fake it for this person or fake it for that person. Like that to me is, is the definition of integrity is like never having to second guess myself or change the way I talk or like shape shift to fit in with someone. I just am who I am. And if you love me rad, and if you don't, it's also rad. 
I want everybody to fucking win. I just don't want everybody standing on the podium with me because if I look at you and I don't see myself and I don't see my work ethic and my integrity and and all of my core values inside of you, I don't want you on my fucking podium. You can you can go right on the podium below me, but I don't want you on my fucking podium. Because I know I want to know that I did what I did the right way for the right reasons with the right people at the right time. And here's what's weird. And this is shortcutting everyone who's listening to this. You get your core values figured out and you start living by them. You will shed the people that are not meant to be there and you will make space for the people that are supposed to. And they magically uh, air quotes everybody that's not watching this. They magically show up. Fuck yes, they do. And they wonder where the hell they've been. (laughs) Well, because we weren't ready. We right. were in integrity, right? right? We were out of integrity by not knowing what our core values were and not living in a way. So we don't get those people until we we become those people. And, and we those don't. are the seeds you're planting all day long. Yes. Whether you know it or not. And that's the fruit. It Sometimes it takes 60, 90 days for the fruit to start bearing on the tree. But if you're really pissed off about what's showing up, I can almost guarantee you it has something to do with how you showed up to begin with. Absolutely. And that's why, and, and then what we do is when people like you and me and our friends that we've mentioned on this, when we all start leaning into our own integrity, we also start leaning in together mm-hmm. because it's easier to draft together than it is to do it by yourself. And you also realize that you're not the only one out there doing it. So there is no martyrdom to it. Hell I know that if you're going to show up, I'm going to show up. Yeah, that's the difference between victor and victim. A victim thinks I'm by myself, no one else understands. And a victor's looking around linking arms with all these badass motherfuckers going, I'm not the only one. Right. Let's fucking go. Yeah, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Brie, if somebody wants to reach out to you, like maybe they want to talk to you about what it is to be a fractional COO, which is what you do for people. Maybe they just need some help, like decluttering the Clark Griswold knot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know you're the right person for it. What is the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, DM on Instagram. I've got a pretty, pretty low social media presence right now to be changed, but um, at the chaos maestro. At the chaos maestro on Instagram. That's it. Cool. Um, I really appreciate you taking time to be with us. We'll have you on here again. Um especially with some things that you're doing with a few of my friends. Um, I would like to hear some more about your experience. And especially for those people right now, a lot of business owners start, they have to be the integrator and the visionary. Mm -hmm. And I think you have some tips and some tricks and some things that those people can do, especially with digital media nowadays. Heck yeah. And I would love to have you back on the show sometime and we get a little bit more technical, not to make anybody yawn, but get technical and talk about maybe what are the most important things for people to get straight when they're really starting to think about scaling a business, which means building a company, everyone, not being a solopreneur. Would you be willing to come back and do that? Would fucking love that. All right, cool. We'll get you back on here. And um, I just want to say thanks again. It was really fun having you on. Thank you for your time. Yes, ma'am. Everybody, we'll see you in the trenches. Take care. Hey, friend. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to catch future casts. If you really enjoyed this episode, 
make sure you share it so others can benefit from it as well. I'll see you in the trenches.